Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 55, The GOP's 14th Amendment Problem. Checking today's headlines, I see that China is going into lockdown again, apparently, because cases of COVID are apparently surging in China. I guess Beijing is the center so far. And oddly enough, the folks in China are buying canned peaches. (laughs) And they're buying so many of them that there are now shortages of canned peaches in stores around China and apparently online with online sites that the Chinese people normally use to, I guess, order food. And the one of the big manufacturers that supplies canned yellow peaches to China had to actually come out with a statement saying that uh, canned yellow peaches are not medicines and that there's enough supply so there is no need to panic. There's no rush to buy and canned yellow peaches to the best of my knowledge don't have any medicinal effect they might be healthy in many ways but i don't think they're going to do much to protect you from getting covid so i would just use this as an opportunity to remind Americans and people in other countries, because surprisingly enough, there are people in other countries that listen to this podcast. Thank you. I'm a little surprised. And it's kind of humbling to know that there are people across the world that listen. It's very humbling to know that anybody listens, actually. Thank you all. Uh, So, COVID is still a thing, and it's my understanding, last time I checked, we're still having over 300 people a day die in the United States because of COVID. And I know about the vaccine controversy. I disagree with it. I think vaccines help save lives. I understand that some people might have experienced side effects from the vaccines. And it's my understanding that those side effects are actually to be expected in some cases. It's a sign that your immune system is reacting. Uh, I don't know. I've heard the story about how Most of the people dying now have been vaccinated. (laughs) And that sounds awful at first. And you think, oh, my gosh, well, that's a great reason to not get the vaccine, huh? No, it's not. The fact is, most of the people who are dying now of COVID have been vaccinated because the majority of the people in the United States have had the COVID vaccine, at least one of them, or perhaps both of the initial vaccines that were recommended. The problem is, as with most viruses, the more a virus is spread around and the longer it is in circulation, so to speak, the more opportunities it has to mutate, change, 
viruses try to, I guess, protect themselves to some degree so that they can survive. So they mutate. And the different viruses that are coming out now are different from the ones that first impacted us back in 2020. I guess it first hit in China in 2019, which is why it's called COVID-19. The 19 is the year that they first identified it as a new virus, I guess. But it has mutated several times. And the initial two vaccinations worked pretty well against the first iteration of that virus. But at that point, when the vaccinations started to be distributed, the virus had already had an opportunity to start mutating. So now we've had quite a few different variations of the virus. And the people who are dying because they caught COVID that have been vaccinated in most instances have not kept up with their booster shots. And the boosters are specifically formulated to address the new variations, the new mutations of this virus. And we may have to take vaccinations annually or every six months because the protection does wane. It's kind of like the flu virus that we take or some of us take every year. When you take it, you want to kind of plan on having, uh, having received the vaccination early enough that it has a couple of weeks to kind of engage and rev up your system. And then you want it to last in your system long enough and be strong enough to fight off anything that you may get months down the road. And very often where I live, it seems like January and February are really bad months for flu. So you want to kind of be protected through a period of time. So usually I, I try to plan my flu shot for late October. That way by November, it's kicked in and it's going to protect me November, December, January, February, before it starts to wane, before the protection starts to weaken. And I think most people now have, if you've kept up with boosters and everything, I think you should probably be in the four or five shot range, four or five vaccination range should have had um, approximately, I think it's actually five shots, five vaccinations. There were two initials and then they had two boosters. And I think now they've got one for this latest one. And I don't know what's going around in China right now, but I really find it inexcusable that people refuse to get vaccinated. It's killed over a million Americans. And I'll just tell you this, and I think I've mentioned this previously in another podcast, and then I'm going to go on to another topic, but there has been research and studies on the COVID-19 deaths in the United States of America. And an interesting fact that has turned up is the fact that the deaths over and above what you would expect in a particular area of the country are like 70 something percent Republicans. <laughs> you may wonder how that could possibly be. Well, 
there's like an average number of people who are going to die in any given area of the country uh, during any given year. And if that number is slightly higher or slightly lower, then they just consider that to be an average. But when it ticks up significantly, that is considered an animality, an, an, an anomaly. <laughs> My tongue is tied as per usual. It's considered to be an anomaly and they look to see what contributed to these deaths over and above what they would have expected. And they were able to determine through their research that they were COVID deaths, deaths related to COVID. And then they went back and they checked voter registration records and things like that and discovered that the majority of them were Republicans. And Republicans overwhelmingly get their news through sources like Fox and Newsmax and One America. And at the time, through their president, Donald Trump, and their elected members in Congress who pretty much supported Donald Trump in lockstep. And they were told how ridiculous it was to wear a mask, does absolutely no good whatsoever, ignore what science says, ignore the fact that for forever, surgeons and medical people in uh, operating rooms wear masks. And the reason they do that is to protect the patient. They're not protecting themselves. They're protecting the patient. They wear gloves to protect the patient. Sometimes they wear gloves also because they are trying to prevent from spreading around a communicable disease, a bloodborne disease or something like that. But it's usually to protect the patient who's going to be in a weakened state after having surgery. So a lot of Republicans didn't wear masks, didn't get vaccinated. And that's just kind of like, I don't know, to me, that's just ignorance or stupidity. It's kind of like being put up, having a blindfold put on and being put out in the field somewhere and saying, now you just need to stay right here because at the end of this field is a cliff. It's going to drop off. And if you step off the edge, you're going to die. And then with the blindfold on, you just start walking around, trying to find your way out of the area, knowing that there's a cliff somewhere. It just seems ridiculous to me that a caring person would not take precautions to protect themselves and protect others around them. Most Republicans identify as being Christians. And there's a ton of stuff in the Bible about being good to others and thinking about others. Treat others the way you would want to be treated yourself. Take care of the poor, take care of the ill. All of these things involve things that you have to do yourself, too. But they don't want to do that. My body, my choice is what I heard. I'm not going to wear a mask. I can't breathe. I'm breathing in carbon monoxide. It's going to kill me. <laughs> I remember seeing a post from a nurse who worked in a hospital and was working heavy overtime during the COVID pandemic because there were so many patients and there were so many people that worked in the hospital that were out sick, even despite all of the precautions. And she actually had a thing that measured the amount of oxygen and carbon monoxide like inside of her mask. And she took readings throughout the day. And she said, you know, here's, here's a reading. I've had this mask on now 
for eight hours and they were virtually the same as when she first put the mask on. So, I mean, there was a little difference, but it wasn't enough that it made any difference. And it certainly was not anywhere close to where you could consider it being an unsafe level. So, anyway, <laughs> is it carbon monoxide that you would breathe out? No. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, a furnace. <laughs> uh, I guess I need to find out. Uh, let me see here. Let me see what it says. I got to look and see exactly what we breathe out that everybody's talking about. So uh, humans breathe in nitrogen, oxygen, argon, and carbon dioxide. And the largest proportion apparently is the nitrogen and carbon dioxide is the smallest proportion. And the gases that humans breathe out are the same, although more carbon dioxide and less oxygen is present. So, okay. I was thinking carbon monoxide. Sorry about that. I'm sure a bunch of people thought, what? <laughs> uh, I just checked our carbon monoxide detector battery this morning. Maybe I've got carbon monoxide on my mind. That's something else you need to do if you haven't checked your batteries and your smoke detectors and your carbon monoxide detectors and stuff. If you have gas heat or if you have any gas appliances in your house, especially, check those batteries. Replace them if they, if they haven't been replaced recently. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry about that. But that's... The, the thing that people were complaining about is that they weren't getting enough oxygen. It was making it hard for them to breathe. And I, I'm not an expert on that, obviously. So maybe you have a problem, asthma, or some other respiratory issue where having a mask on can be a problem. But I still think if you're going to be out in public, with all of this other stuff going on, if you've got an issue with your respiratory system or breathing, you don't need to risk getting COVID. <laughs> because if you think the mask is uncomfortable, I'm 100% sure that COVID is worse. And I know if you have to get uh, put on a ventilator to survive, that that's really uncomfortable. So, be a good human being and show that you care about others and that you're a good person and wear a mask when you're around other people in public and get your vaccinations. They have been shown to be very, very, very safe. There is a risk, I guess, with anything that we do, but the risk of COVID is much worse than the risk of wearing a mat or of getting a vaccine. And even though people recover from COVID, there are effects that do impact a lot of people once they think they've recovered. Uh, a lot of people have uh, problems with their heart, kidney function. Uh, lungs, respiratory system continues to have trouble. And there is now a study that indicates people could have dementia because of COVID-19, that it could be a factor in developing dementia possibly later in life. So you don't want any of those things. And we're seeing that China's once again having issues and <laughs> it's only going to be a matter of time. And we here we are coming into the winter months again. So take precautions to protect yourself and your loved ones. And remember, you can make your loved ones sick because you're contagious and you don't even realize it. And I'm sure you wouldn't want to be responsible for making grandma or grandpa sick or uh, 
one of the little kids in your family because uh, kids get it too. I am trying out and testing a new microphone in this episode. So if things sound a little different or you hear some strange noises, chances are it might be related to that. I'm not sure if I want to keep this one or not. I have another couple of microphones that I'm looking at that I plan to order and see how they do. So this is probably going to be an experiment for the foreseeable future. But if any of the podcasts turn out really awful, I will avoid using that mic again in future podcasts and go back to what I was using before, which was okay, but I think I can probably do a little bit better. And I also, of course, want to remind everybody that I'm not a medical doctor. So my advice on uh, vaccinations and things like that is my opinion based on what I've read and what I've been told by the medical professionals that I see. And I would advise everyone to to do the same. Talk to your doctor and find out what is best for you, but I think most people will probably learn that their doctors want them to get vaccinations because they believe in science, and most doctors are probably going to want their patients to wear masks when they're in public, when there's something really bad like uh, COVID or flu or whatever, and I've discovered wearing masks outside has really helped with the dust and the pollen, if you're outside sweeping the patio or blowing leaves or picking things up, it really, you don't get as much um, after effects from being out. Uh, so the masks do serve other purposes. Anyway, that said, this week, a website known as Talking Point Memos, TPM. And I guess it's actually Talking Point Memo. It's singular. And uh, they published a, an article on the Mark Meadows' texts that were exchanged with 34 members of Congress regarding plans to overturn the 2020 election. And there were three journalists involved with this, Hunter Walker, Josh Kavinsky, and Emine Yussel, and I'm Sorry if I mispronounced any of your names. This was published on December 12th. Today is December the 14th, so just day before yesterday. And these are memos, uh, I'm sorry, texts that Mark Meadows gave to the January 6th committee early on when it appeared that he was going to cooperate with them. And then all of a sudden, we decide, I guess he decided that uh, it would be in his best interest to not, not to cooperate with the January 6th committee. And that was when he basically kind of shut down and did the same thing that all of the others who seem to be very close to Trump did. They either got delays or tried to say that there was uh, some sort of executive privilege involved and they just couldn't discuss it. 
and executive privilege only is with the current president who's actually in office at that particular time. It's not with past presidents. And I have to say, I have not read all of these, but it it's very concerning to me. And I think as an American, it should be very concerning to all of us. And uh, the bottom line is the texts are... They're just, there's so much insanity and craziness in them. You really have to wonder if these people are suitable to be in Congress, literally. They are full of links to far-right extremist websites, and they spew out legal theories that are <laughs> questionable to be generous. Some of them have violent rhetoric, and they are all about uh, power grabs. And you have to keep in mind that uh, Mark Meadows was the White House chief of staff at the time that all of these messages happened. So we're pretty high up in the Trump administration with some of these things. And the thing that's very concerning is these messages, these text messages, are from people who are currently in Congress, and some of them have just been reelected to continue in Congress. And I see a lot of these people posting on Twitter on a regular basis, and they post nonsense still to this day on Twitter. For instance, Jim Jordan, he is a Republican member of the House from Ohio. And on the evening of January 5th, 2021, the day before the riot at the U.S. Capitol, Jim Jordan sent a text to Mark Meadows that said, quote, on January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as President of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. In accordance with guidance from Founding Father Alexander Hamilton and judicial precedents, no legislative act, wrote Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Number 78, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. The court in Hubbard v. Lowe reinforced this truth, that an unconstitutional statute is not a law at all, is a proposition no longer open to discussion. And then he cites a... a um, court, like a court docket number, and it shows that the appeal was dismissed. This dates back to 1915, and it was dismissed, I guess, in 1916. Following this rationale, and, and that's that's the end of the quote, and then he finishes his, Jim Jordan finishes his text with, following this rationale, an unconstitutionally appointed elector, like an unconstitutionally enacted statute, is no elector at all. And that's the end of his text. And when asked about this, a spokesperson 
for Jim Jordan. I guess it was his communications director uh, by the name a uh, man by the name of Russell Dye. Uh, he apparently told uh, Talking Points Memo TPM that the message outlining the strategy to object to the electoral certification had been forwarded to the congressman by Joseph Schmitz, a former Department of Defense Inspector General. And the quote was, in other words, the idea mentioned in the text was not crafted by Mr. Jordan. It was a legal theory developed by a former DOD inspector general, end quote, according to what Dye said to TPM. <laughs> so I guess the the thing that stands out to me here is there has to be a reason, a, a, a logical, rational, legal reason for someone to think that an electoral vote is unconstitutional. You'd have to have a reason for that. And if the state certifying the votes has certified them, they go through a process, every state kind of has their own process, but if that's been turned in as the official certified accounting of the votes in that state, in the absence of documented evidence that shows that there was indeed something going on, there's no reason to believe that uh, there's something unconstitutional going on with those votes. So it, it doesn't make sense. And we now know that at this point, Donald Trump knew that the election had not been stolen. He knew that the court cases that had been filed about the election in multiple states with multiple judges, I believe there were over 60 lawsuits filed by Trump or by his supporters, and they were mostly all thrown out. There was, I think, one that was thrown out for some other reason. But a lot of these judges that oversaw these cases were Trump judges. They were judges that were in their seats or they're on the bench because of Trump. So <laughs> uh, what the heck? Uh, you know, at what point, what does Trump need to hear for him to understand that there's no reason to think that there was anything going on in the election? He'd how many people need to tell you no before you get it? And here we are, oh, you know, we're two years down the road almost, and he is still touting this stolen election thing. And honestly, I think he's doing it because he keeps his supporters riled up because they think that there's been a horrible, horrible injustice done. And he has this Save America pack that is bringing in tons of money, and I don't know. I just kind of think that uh, maybe he's doing it for personal reasons, and that, uh, you know, um, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, he's enjoying all that money coming in. He certainly has a lot of legal bills to pay. And his, his whole thing is delay, delay, delay. And I think he's beginning to realize that he is indeed running out of time. Here's another text message from Paul Gosar. And he is, of course, the representative from Arizona. He's a Republican. And shortly after 11 p.m. on December 16th, 2020, according to the log, 
Gosar wrote to Mark Meadows in a text, and he said, quote, When is the 45 days up? What date starts the clock? November 3rd? If it is, then that is December 18. China bought Dominion in October for $400 million. If that's not interference, then should have a report with details and specifics that would validate that either way. And if they didn't, call me. I have some fireworks coming out of Arizona early tomorrow. Call me anytime. I'm up. End of the text. So that whole thing about China buying Dominion. Dominion is the company that makes the voting machines that are used in some of the states. I think uh, definitely in Arizona. But that is not true. It's not true at all. So here is the specifics on the Dominion thing. I've, I've seen this repeated on Twitter within the last 24 hours that China bought Dominion and the whole thing was a phony. The whole election was phony because of that. A Swiss investment bank has a New York subsidiary known as UBS Securities, LLC. And in October, that subsidiary, UBS Securities, LLC, bought $400 million in shares of Dominion's parent company, which is a company known as Staple Street Capital, LLC. And there's a notation that it appears that three of the four board members of that subsidiary's board are Chinese and certainly could represent investors and things like that. But that information is private, so there's no way of knowing if China or any other government owns shares in this particular company. The parent company, this UBS, does have a lot of business apparently in China and is the partial owner of a firm based in China known as UBS Securities Company Limited, which is not the same company that bought the Staple Street shares. So there's a difference between UBS Securities LLC and UBS Securities Company Limited. They are not the same company. They may have connections, but they're not connected directly. And so it's really hard to say. But if you don't like the dark, aspect to all of the stuff that's going on in this country, you need to talk to your members of Congress about it. This uh, cryptocurrency guy that has recently been in the news for defrauding people, one of the comments that was made was that he donated almost 100% to Democrats, made campaign donations to Democrats. And then it was revealed that he said that he donated basically the same amount to the Democrats and to the Republicans. It's just that the Republicans wasn't reported because it was dark money. So I don't know. Transparency when it comes to the Democrats is bad and then dark money that's hidden that goes to the Republicans is something that you just don't mention and it's okay. Is that how that works? Hi. Hypocrisy. You may engage now. Click, click. Really? So, uh, there you go. And there are a bunch of people Pretty much all of them Republicans 
who voted to not accept the Electoral College votes. They wanted Vice President Mike Pence to just say, we have a different set of electors here for this state, and there seems to be an issue. Of course, one of the one of the electors, one of the accounting of the Electoral College was actually the correct certified version from the Secretary of State in Arizona, and the other one was fraudulent, uh, signed by a bunch of fake electors. And my, I want to know, are those people going to be punished? Because when you present something to Congress that you know is fraudulent, you ought to go to jail for that. You ought to go to prison for that. That's, that's I would certainly think, a high crime. Something like that would be a high crime. But... Uh, there were a whole bunch of people in Congress, Republicans, that have repeated these conspiracy theories as factual. And when you look to see if there's any truth to any of this stuff at all, there's just absolutely nothing. And I have spent a lot of time researching, trying to see if there's a shred of truth to any of this crazy stuff that they keep saying, and it's just a lie. And if they are saying these things, thinking it's the truth, that's a problem. They need to find out why they don't have correct information. And until the, they verified the information is true themselves, maybe they ought to stop post, posting this crazy stuff. You think? But all of this stuff that they have done trying to overturn the will of the people and reject a democratically elected president is illegal and it's unconstitutional. And why are we allowing them to get away from it, get away with it? Because it, we're two years out from this thing, and I have yet to see a single member in Congress have any charges filed against them for this stuff. Their votes are a matter of public record. We have documents and information and testimony under oath from people in many cases indicating that these folks knew what they were saying in public was complete, total bullpucky. It's a lie. A lie. Lie, lie, lie. And they did it anyway. These people should not be in Congress. The 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution has a section, Section 3, that addresses this very situation with members of Congress, whether it's in the House of Representatives or in the Senate, who intentionally and knowingly and willfully did the wrong thing. 14th Amendment, Section 3 says, quote, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same 
or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. As we all know at this point, the Republicans were counting on a big red wave for the midterm elections this past November, and it failed to happen. Not only did they actually lose a seat in the Senate, they failed to pick up the number of seats in the House of Representatives that they wanted to pick up. The leader of the Republican Party in the Senate, it's not the Senate leader because they don't have the majority, but Mitch McConnell has been the Senate leader in the past, unfortunately. And he called this situation a, quote, candidate quality problem, end quote. McConnell said, quote, we ended up having a candidate quality test. Hopefully, in the next cycle, we'll have quality candidates everywhere and a better outcome, end quote. Well, I would definitely have to say that they have some quality issues, but it's not just with their candidates from the midterm election. It is with current sitting members in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. So people need to understand that what the Republicans attempted to do in the early morning hours of January 7th, after the procedure that they had begun on January 6th, as mandated by the Constitution of the United States, as that procedure, that process of having the vice president deal with the electoral votes from the various states, that was interrupted by the riots, the domestic terrorist attack on the Capitol. So they had to finish it up in the early morning hours of January the 7th. Many of those members who were planning to object to the Electoral College votes were Republicans. In fact, I think all of them were Republicans. And many of those people are going to be seated again come this January because they won their elections. In all, 128 members in the Senate and the House voted to overturn the election, which would result in overthrowing the government of the United States of America, a democratically elected government per the Constitution. It would have overthrown the government. 128 of those people who voted to overthrow the government and return Donald Trump to the presidency, even though he lost, are going to be sworn in again to Congress in January of 2023. This is a threat, a clear and present danger to the United States of America by people inside our very own government. Have you ever heard the term projection? Projection is when someone or a group of people suggest that someone else is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, something bad, something wrong. But in reality, they are the ones who are doing this. They're pointing the finger at somebody else. 
it's an old Gestapo tactic. Accuse the other side of doing what you're doing. That is what the Republicans are doing. They talk about the deep state and how scary it is. And they talk about it as if it's all Democrats. George Soros is one of them that comes up. He's part of the deep state. And Hillary Clinton and the rest of those Democrats who get in the basement of that pizza place in Washington, D.C. and stuck the brain fluid out of children's heads to get a sexual high or whatever it is. Does that sound insane to you? Huh? Yeah, well, it, it does sound insane because it is insane. As I just mentioned earlier in this podcast, the Republicans are mostly the ones who are the recipients of dark money. And they're the ones that act like it's a bad thing, but they won't do anything about it. You know, the Democrats have brought to the floor, suggested uh, a bill. One of the components of that was cleaning up our elections and cleaning up our campaign funding, providing more transparency and some limits and some things like that. And who prevented that from passing? The Republicans. So, you know, you, you can't accuse somebody else of doing something that you yourself are doing. And if you want people to take you seriously, the Republicans complain about crime, yet they won't do anything to pass bills that will help reduce crime in this country. Guns play a huge role in crime. Just the fact that they are present at a robbery or whatever makes the situation far worse. Maybe if those folks didn't have such easy access to a gun, they wouldn't be out robbing somebody. They certainly pay a, play a huge role in the mass shootings that we have. But the Republicans won't do anything about it. The, there was one, one little thing passed earlier, and it, it was a step in the right direction, but we have a lot more that we need to do to really address the problem. And it won't solve the problem, no, but it will help cut down. And a life saved is worth it, don't you think? If you really value life, you do. I think we can all name someone who was a part of our lives at one point that we felt left this world too early. And if it was because of gun violence, that life being spared would mean a lot to a lot of people, wouldn't it? So if you save one life, it's worthwhile. Nothing is 100%. When it comes to immigration, there are so many things that the Republicans just won't deal with. They don't really seem to legislate much unless it's to pass tax cuts for the wealthy and for big corporations. They can do that, but other than that, they mostly complain. I have been commenting a lot on Twitter lately to Republicans posting stuff as if they have absolutely no control over it at all. Well, every one of them could sit down and write legislation and then go out and get other people to sign on to it and get it passed if it would solve a problem. But they're not even trying to do that. All they want to do is complain about it on Twitter and accuse the Democrats of being responsible for it. You'd think that they were being paid $174,000 a year to sit on Twitter and gripe all the time. If that's a job, I'd love to have one like it, because I could do that, I think, pretty well. Probably a lot of us could. But the poor candidate problem 
is one that has been around on the Republican side for a long time because a lot of the folks that were in Congress that are in Congress right now were candidates at one time. The American people, some of us, are our number one threat. We have two major political parties in this country. One of them, I feel, is more of a cult right now, although I recognize that there are some people who still identify as Republicans, but they're not in the Trump cult. But of the two major parties right now in Congress, one of them, uh, and at state level as well, has hundreds of elected officials who want to overthrow the government by overturning the 2020 election. And by suppressing the votes of black Americans. These people are traitors to the country. The enemy within. They are the enemy. And the guy that really brought all of this to the forefront was Donald Trump. President number 45, who very recently <laughs> said that uh, he needed to be installed as the unelected dictator of our country. He wanted to terminate the United States Constitution. This is a twice impeached leader of the same party with the hundreds of people who want to overturn a democratically elected government. Same, same guy who was, was over all of this, who is being investigated for multiple felonies. Now, his followers will tell you that this is all just a witch hunt, and he'll tell you that too. But I can assure you that the amount of resources being put behind all of these investigations if they aren't coming up with anything, they wouldn't be spending this much time on it. And I think that uh, we're all about to get a revelation. I believe that the January 6th committee has announced that they're going to have their final meeting on Monday, December the 19th, I believe. Or is it, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Monday, December the 19th, they're going to have their final meeting. They're going to decide, I suppose, at that meeting exactly what date they're going to release all of the information that they have gathered up during the one-year-plus investigation into Donald Trump and his administration and what led to the terrorist attack by our own citizens against us on our U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. And I guess at that point, they're going to decide if they're going to recommend to the Department of Justice that uh, charges be filed against people. And from what I understand, on Wednesday, December 21st, we're going to all get a Christmas present from the January 6th committee in the form of transcripts, evidence, uh, apparently everything that the January 6th committee has is going to be released to the public and to the Department of Justice at the same time and let the chips fall where they may. I don't know how long these Republicans and their supporters can stand there and tell you something isn't what it seems to be. Truly, these people could stand in front of a white wall, and if their leader, Trump, told them, well, that wall's black, they would tell you it's a black wall. 
when it's very clearly white. You can ask everybody that walks by, is this wall white or is it black? The Trumpers are going to walk by and tell you, oh, that's black. Well, what makes you think it's black? I can see it's, it's white. See this? No, it's black. Donald Trump said it was black. So it's black. That's a cult, folks. That's not a political party. That is a cult. These people are making decisions that are going to impact all of our lives, and they're going to impact the lives of your children and your grandchildren. And it could be in a very negative way. Do you trust these people? Are they trustworthy? They're lying to you. They know that they're lying to you. They, they want something. And just because it might be something that you really want right now, is that the way you always want it to be? You want people to get something because they're cheating or stealing? Because that's not a democracy. And if that's what you want, then maybe you ought to go to Russia. Maybe you should move because Putin would be glad to have more taxpayers in Russia. And he will tell you how you're going to live your life, like it or not. Our 118th U.S. Congress is soon to be sworn in. And among them are over 100 people who are traitors to the country. They have dishonored the Constitution of the United States. And they wanted to overthrow our government. Think about that. That is pretty serious. So what are we going to do about this as American citizens? You need to call your representatives and your senators, even if they are on the list of folks who are traitors to the country, and you need to tell them, this is wrong. I disagree. We're all going to have to get together and work to put an end to this disgrace, this injustice that has been forced upon our country. And if we have to protest in a peaceful way, legally and peacefully, then that's what we need to do. If we need to call our elected leaders and the powers that be in Congress and the White House, then by George, we need to do it. Because we cannot allow this to stand. We now have at least two members of the Supreme Court, two justices sitting on the Supreme Court who are there because their seats were literally stolen. Neil Gorsuch, his seat was held open for, what, over a year? When the late Justice Antonin Scalia died, we had a president sitting in the Oval Office. His name was Barack Obama. He was our first Black American president. And he was elected twice by a majority of the people. And his administration was pretty much scandal-free. I can't recall anyone in his administration or anyone close to him being indicted. When you go back and look at history of the modern presidents, Look at how many people 
associated with their administrations were indicted, you're going to find a lot of indictments on the right side, lots of indictments during the Republican administrations, and very few on the Democratic side. What does that tell you? Tells me that Democrats ex uh, respect the Constitution and the laws of the land a lot more than the Republicans do. And I can't ever think of a time where Democrats have ganged up to overturn the government of the United States of America. Just hasn't happened. Has not happened. So, yes, there is a quality problem on the Republican side. Absolutely. Mitch McConnell was very, very correct in that. But that problem started a long time ago because some of the people that we have in Congress right now have a quality problem as well. And that makes them a problem for all of us because they are making decisions that will affect our lives for years. Our democracy is fragile. And if we want to have a democracy, we have to be willing to fight to keep it. And I don't mean fight the way that the Republicans do, the way the Trumpers do. I mean through legal channels, nonviolent and legal. I am calling on the Justice Department to put the person at the very top of this issue, Donald Trump, behind bars. And they need to enforce the 14th Amendment which states that any citizen, anybody in Congress, anybody at the state level been elected, has taken an oath to the U.S. Constitution that has engaged in insurrection shall be permanently prohibited from ever holding an, a, any elective office again. And that means these folks who are about to take their seats again in Congress need to be removed from those seats. And we need to get some people in those seats that have a respect for the American people and a respect for the Constitution, because obviously we have a lot of people in those seats right now who do not respect the people of the United States of America or the Constitution that they took an oath to protect. Well, when they voted in the early morning hours of January 7th to overturn the election, they were not protecting the Constitution. They violated their oath of office, and they did not do what they were supposed to do, and that's unconstitutional, and they cannot remain in their seats. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm -hmm.